Welcome to The Swifterhood, a podcast all about Taylor Swift's lyrical genius. Whether you've known from her debut album that she's had a place in this world, or her folklore has become your evermore recently, we are here to faithfully and wholeheartedly deconstruct each song, lyric by lyric. Hello, hello, Morgan. Hey, Erin. It's so good to be back. Yes, I'm so happy you're here. Truthfully, this is amazing that we're doing this podcast together because, well, Obviously, it's awesome. But before, I feel like we didn't get to see each other as much. And now I have a legitimate reason to see you on a regular basis. I know. It's pretty awesome. I'm pretty sure, though, that your um, your neighbors are probably not happy that I come over here and hang out with you and don't see them. <sighs> Jealous. They can't help it. You're wonderful. I'm, like, to the listeners, everyone wants to hang out with Morgan. Oh, stop. She's busy because, you know, children and work and all of these things, but everyone's trying to hang out with her all the time because she's Wonder Woman. <laughs> okay. If you were in this room right now, you'd see that I'm the color of my shirt, which is pink. And it says, you can't spell awesome without me. Obviously. <laughs> and I'm wearing the Ivy shirt that I got off the Taylor Swift website, which was like the one thing that I thought was actually subtle understated and didn't look like it was made for a teenager i know i have such trouble with that website like i go on it every once in a while just to see if i'm gonna come across something that would be fitting for me and there never is anything fitting for me yeah i check it every single time taylor nation tweets like new merch blah 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 me too doesn't she get a new record sale technically when you buy merch you get a digital album maybe I, I don't know. I don't know the rules of all that. I think it's a, a strategy for album sales because anytime you buy something, I'm pretty sure it also comes with the digital download. So it's just adding okay, gotcha. to her sales, which since we last talked on the podcast, obviously they're way higher. It's like best selling first, like hot off the press country album in however long. Yeah. And I think the big news was it beat out that um, guy that was recently, that country guy that was recently accused of domestic violence or something. And so that was like a big deal. And I don't remember his name. I just read it on the Billboard 200 article this week. Nice. Yeah. Well, good for her. I mean, Taylor's constantly crushing it. She can't even help it. Nope. Okay, so we're going to first go into our fearless feature. And we wanted to, I, I don't know what kind of connection with these songs it would be. We haven't really been doing that. There's just things that are pressing enough that you have to talk about that are going on in the world. And last time we talked on the podcast, the verdict for George Floyd had not been out yet. Right. Now we have a verdict. And it was announced on Tuesday that he was guilty of all three counts that he was charged with, which was a really big deal. Yes. And I'm wondering what you think about how monumental this case could be for Black Lives Matter as far as it being like, I mean, essentially the only case that a prosecutor has effectively given charges for the situation and, I mean, did an excellent job, honestly. Convictions were were um, rendered. I, I mean, here's my here's my take on it is it's awesome. And when I was listening to NPR on my way to pick up my kids on that Tuesday afternoon, and I was praying that they were going to, because it was like, I got a news flash that said, we 
expect that should expect the jury between um, the jury's verdict between four thirty and five. Uh, I think in that, but that was between four thirty and five our time. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so three thirty and four uh, central time, and I was driving, and then it was late, and I was like, oh my gosh, if they do this verdict while I've run inside to pick up my kid and I don't hear it live, I'm going to be really pissed off. Uh, but it came right before I picked him up and I cried. I did cry. Mm-hmm. But I will say that it's just a small feat. And what actually needs to be fixed is not addressed through this verdict. It's, right. hold some, it's holding someone accountable, but it's not, it's not by finding one police officer guilty we can have some closure in the case of George Floyd, but it it doesn't change anything that is still pressing about um, police misconduct in this country. Exactly. And it doesn't bring George Floyd back. No, it does not. Or any of the hundreds of black people that have been shot at the hands of police um, since just 2021. It <laughs> legit makes makes me so sad. I know. It's horrible. Um, and then the day that George Floyd's verdict came out, we had uh, Makia Bryant shot. And she's the 16-year-old from um, Ohio. And here's here's the thing is that um, it looks like the body-worn camera in that case um, shows that she was swinging a knife. This is the point that I'm try- I tried to make earlier. That wouldn't have happened if we had made the changes that we need to in policing because what should have occurred in that situation is a social worker should have been on scene with police officers and they should have been able to, um, you know, deescalate the situation appropriately. Yes. And speak with the girl that had the knife, prevent that from happening. And instead, because officers are trained to react in the face of deadly force, it's going to be found that he it was justified, that the shooting was justified. Yeah, this one is a lot tougher for um, how the case is going to play out. But if multiple officers cannot de-escalate and contain a 16-year-old, then, I mean, we just met. They've basically been taught to protect um, lives in a way that is killing people rather than serving the public differently. And you can look at different systems across the world and you can see how in other countries the police function differently for example in the netherlands where the police essentially do function as social workers and since my husband is in social work i obviously feel very passionate about how beneficial that can be because i've seen how much that can mean as far as connecting people with services that can really help them change their lives and turn things around and how vital that work is. And if we are investing more money in those type of systems rather than police having all of these weapons and, you know, there's a lot that needs to be changed, obviously. Right. And I think I just want to share a short story. I know we're going on at length about this, but I think it's important to talk about. Um, I've had a lot of family members react to what's happened and just say why why are police still doing this when they know that there are cell phones present and that there's body worn camera and at the end of the day i have to say because police they police officers legitimately feel like they're justified in doing it and they because of the way that they are trained and 
one example I gave my grandparents when I was having this conversation with them the other day was I had a client who was in court for a probation violation hearing and he has mental health issues. And so I had um, subpoenaed his uh, horizon behavioral health doctor to come and testify. And we were going to be called last because of the fact that um, it was going to be a contested hearing. So other other cases that were going to be taking shorter time were called first. And I found out when he arrived in court that he had an outstanding warrant for his arrest because he had failed to appear for a previous court date, um, which was a traffic infraction. And so I warned him that he was going to be arrested when he was leaving the courthouse. And he didn't take it great, obviously, but I calmed him down. His social worker was able to calm him Mm -hmm. down. And um, he remained in the courthouse and uh, waited for his cases to call. So I went into the courtroom because I had other cases. Well, suddenly his, um, well, his case was called about 30 minutes later and someone ran into the courtroom and said, your client's on the ground outside being arrested. And so I was like, oh my gosh, what happened? I ran out of the courthouse. I ran down the stairs and he was lying face down on the sidewalk with his arms behind his back and saying, I'm not resisting. I'm not resisting. And officers were, there were three officers on top of him. He has a false arm. So he was being He was very, very hurt. And I had to be there to pull off the officers and explain to them like he wasn't going anywhere. But basically they said because he left the courthouse and they had a warrant for his arrest that um, they saw him leave, go towards his car. So they jumped him and said, do not leave this courthouse instead of asking him where he was going, which he was just going to get his cigarettes from the car so he could smoke a cigarette before court. And no one had told him that he couldn't leave the courthouse. I didn't know that he was going to leave the courthouse. And in that situation, they felt completely justified and nothing's going to happen. But that's the type of things that happen every single day, countless times. And this was minor, but I saw it and I, I saw what police feel they have to do to prevent someone from quote unquote breaking the law. Right. And I will say, too, that um, in my husband's case, He often has clients who have experienced police brutality to the extent that they're scared to share certain mental health struggles to the extent that they actually are because they're scared that if they require hospitalization, what ends up happening is someone escorts you. Mm -hmm. And so you have to be really careful as um, someone in social work talking about that and figuring out how to navigate that situation because you don't want the person to flee but you also want them to get the help that they need but the reason for that is clear and that's even just where we live you know Um, the amount of people that have experienced aggression is really high anyways we will um, we just want to urge you to call your U.S. senators because right now there's the George Floyd Justice in Policing Act, which was passed by the House in early March by a very close margin, 220 to 212. But this um, this federal bill would ban chokeholds and qualified immunity for law enforcement, ban no-knock warrants in federal drug cases, mandate data collection on police encounters, and create a nationwide database consisting of police misconduct and then prohibit racial and religious profiling and redirect all the funding that um, 
they collect from that to community-based programs. And so we will put up resources on our Instagram where we post our fearless features and link something in this episode that will give you further instructions for how you can call your senators and ask for these types of supports um, to be put in, well, this legislation to be passed. And I also wanted to add on that in the last episode, I was talking about um, anti-trans legislation that's been happening, and I did not do a good job explaining it, and there's been more and more legislation that's been going on. So rather than editing that and re-recording and trying to fix that, I just wanted to say now that there's a lot of sports bans happening for uh, trans girls to not be included in sports in several states. In addition to that, the trans bans for healthcare, for people to have gender affirming healthcare and access to healthcare, which is terrible. Um, <laughs> you should not be denied healthcare because of your gender. And it is so sad. So we will also be putting on the Instagram page. Um, I've already put um, a few things, but I'll continue to put resources for you all to know if you live in that state, how to contact your representatives about those anti-trans bans. So thank you for listening. Yes. Thank you for coming to our TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> it's like 14 minutes in. So now we'll get started on talking about Hey Steven, Taylor's version. Oh, boy. I'm going to let you start this one off, Erin, because I know you love this song. I absolutely love this song. And my gut feeling when I think about Fearless, like the first song that I get excited about to talk about, or not even to talk about, just excited about and almost want to say it's my favorite is Hey Steven. It's not actually because my favorites usually end up being the sadder songs, but it is what I consider a comfort song. It's like, eating chicken noodle soup and it makes me feel so warm and fuzzy inside i love it so much i think that's a, a really interesting way of putting it because i've been trying to pinpoint like why i like this song <laughs> because i'm gonna be real honest it's one of the first songs and maybe one of the only songs that i like as much as i do but it's not because of the lyrical uh, quality exactly so today as i was preparing for this episode as i'm usually you know looking back through lyrics and listening to the songs again i was like i know i've talked a lot to morgan about how much i enjoy this song but what am i even gonna say yeah it's it's bizarre because i was like i know that aaron loves this and here's the thing is like it's one of the songs that i do remember from fearless like i have a vivid memory of riding around in my friend's green jeep cherokee listening to this song and loving it and it may have been because i had a crush on a guy named steven spelt with a v back then but at the same time oh my god i just remembered i did too but it was a ph <laughs> oh i forgot about it until you said that but so like but then i like still listen to it and i'm like i just don't understand why i like this song and that makes it go down in my ratings because I need to be able to be objective about why I love songs. And so that's why this is going to be a very interesting conversation for me. Right. I feel like in my current rating system, it would be low lyrically, which would bring down the rating, but it doesn't match how I feel about it as much. But if I could sum up the reason why I think this song gives me good feelings is that, one, she's adorable in this song. The whole vibe of it is adorable. And two, because I think she's really confident. She sounds sure of herself in some of the in some of the lyrics, not all of them. 
And that was something that was, I guess, inspiring as a younger person to be like, hey, you should pick me. Is there anything to compare the original with the Taylor's version? Yeah, for sure. The laugh changed. Oh, yeah. I will say that the laugh has improved. And it's one of the only times that I find it appropriate for Taylor to laugh in a song. Well, there's a quite a few songs where she's laughed. I've seen a list of it before, but it always makes me really happy when she laughs in a song. This one, this is so specific, but there's three ha-ha-has. And in the original, there's like two and maybe a slight half. <laughs> okay, so her ha's have been more pronounced. Yeah. Well, overall, she's enunciating better. And there's lyrics that I can hear more clearly in this song than I could in the original. And I'll point those out when we get to them. Okay. While I think, once again, just going back to our original critique of Taylor's version in general, I think her vocal quality has improved immensely. So I don't I don't need to say that again. But, but you just a- did. I know. But... One thing I just I think this is one of the songs for me that doesn't age well because of the fact that I still can't figure out why I like it and what she was thinking when she wrote it. Do you always need to know, though? Like, can you sometimes just love a song because you love it and it makes you feel happy? And I guess this is the one time that that's my example. Sure. Because I know you're a lawyer and you like to have evidence for everything. I really do. That's what it comes down to is like I, I have this I have this checklist in my head where I'm like, OK, this is why I like this song. That lyric is stupendous. Can you believe that she did it this way? And so all those things check off. And I'm like, that is why this song is the best. But with this one, I'm just like, oh, some of them even make me like cringe when I hear them. Yeah, but you're also really into the ranking currently, and you've been working on that ranking system for so long. I know. Uh, where you have a very specific method in how to do that, and I struggle so hardly with doing that. And you always ask me the questions about, would you pick this song or this song? And it's <laughs> torturous because uh, it's so hard for me to, first of all, I'm undecisive <laughs> as a person. It's a struggle. And second of all, it's just hard for me to feel figure out which thing I like better. And I feel like I love most all Taylor songs so much. Well, so I will say that I this week I have tweaked my rankings a bit because I used to be I used to think I needed the approach of being objective like solely. But now I'm just being objective with myself. And so I've rated I am not doing the like, okay, if I add this lyrical quality plus this bridge plus this music, then it equals this. Now I'm just going based on gut reaction and and just rating it being like, this deserves 100, this deserves a 60. And the lowest I've, I will go is 50 because I still believe that 50, that all of her songs are still at least 50% better than every other song. Every other song on the planet. <laughs> Would Even The Archer? Yeah, Archer is actually ha- not my lowest. I think Archer is really strong lyrically, but musically... It sounds to me more like a spoken word poem. And I understand that it was intentionally meant to be you're pulling the string of a bow back and you're waiting and waiting for it to be released. And I love that as I a concept. I didn't know that. I read it somewhere. Uh, maybe it's not true, but oh, no, I think Taylor liked the comment. It was on Tumblr. Someone said that. They drew that comparison and she liked it. Oh. Seems like confirmation to me. I think so, too. Anyways, let's get into the lyrics. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait. First, we have to talk about the Colbert thing. 
Oh, right. Yeah. So that <laughs> that cracked me up because that was not an interview. See, I completely disagree with you, Aaron. And you're about to come out and say that it was apparently like just there with a bunch of Easter eggs. And I just don't think Taylor does that anymore. Do you need me to prove it because you're a lawyer? Like, do you want me to read all of the I mean, but things? these are you can read them, but these are still just theories. They're not proven by Taylor. It was her just dangling like that was that was not a real conversation. How do you think that was a real conversation? I think she was just poking fun at herself, poking fun at Stephen Colbert because that's what Colbert does. And she just had a good laugh. I vehemently disagree. Okay, well then tell me. Okay, why the fuck (laughs) did she have that board? That's what I was thinking the whole time. I was like, who the hell did she make make that board? Uh, The poor intern? I know. I was like, they're just pictures, old pictures of Stephen Colbert and then that random piece of pizza. And I think she did that just to fuck with us. No, no, no. Okay, it's very specific. So first of all, I will say, did you see the Stephen King thing? Like you at least saw that, right? I watched the whole video. I. So the Stephen King reference, that book was written in guess what year? I don't know. I don't even remember which 1989. Book. It was written in 1989, the book she referenced. Okay. 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 And then the pictures of Stephen Colbert were taken in guess what year, Morgan? 1989? Exactly. Like, you cannot tell me that's not an Easter egg. All of those pictures were taken of Stephen Colbert in 1989? Yes. Every single one of them? I don't know that every single one of them. No, Lots there was of them. one. I cannot on co- confirm or deny. Here you are, freaking lawyer. <laughs> There was one on the cover. She's putting me on trial. There was one on the cover that was from his Vanity Fair article literally four months ago. Okay. Am I under oath right now? (laughs) I feel like I am. I'm cross-examining you. Exactly. No, I love it so much. This is why I love talking to you. You're wonderful. I just... Love you, Morgan. (laughs) I literally walked away from that interview being like, that was really funny. But that was it. No, I, I was watching it like, what is this bullshit this is not an actual conversation actual actual proof of how i'm still i guess kind of a new swifty because i just never i never read into these things the way i should okay you know how you feel like in certain albums taylor has trust issues yes i feel like taylor has given me trust issues i feel like if this is actually what her her motive was when she released this interview with colbert then i i don't Everything is an Easter egg. But why? Her, she but, said before the color of her fingernails is an Easter egg continuously. And so her nails were painted blue, which is the color of 1989. But then wouldn't you argue that literally everything we do are Easter eggs too because they epitomize who we are? So she's basically just saying, I do things because I like certain things and I like the way that things are and I like the way that things look. And that's how I kind of do my brand, just like we have brands. Like, we choose glasses that are reflective of who we want to be and who we want to appear, and it's an Easter egg into our psyche. Okay, I'm trying to follow where you're going with this. This is taking an interesting turn. Anyways, okay. Okay. I think that it was full of Easter eggs um, and feel very strongly about that. And the pizza, there were, like, it was the picture that she posted with Haim, during 1989 of them in the pizza party that's the reference to pizza which i know is so obscure like that actually made me laugh but she is that intense like the the freaking um 
the music video where she's in Paris. Oh, me? Yes. She, the whole thing is just an Easter egg. Okay. I mean, fine. Everything is. And the, the th- we'll get into it later. Let's get into the song. Okay. Let's get into the song. Aaron is that was very, fun- no, very that- upset at me right now. No, I'm not. It's so fun. It's so fun. I love having these conversations. Who else am I going to do this with that puts up with it? <laughs> like, truthfully, like, my history with the fandom starts in 1989. Actually, I think maybe an album prior, I had a Tumblr, just a personal Tumblr, and started following a lot of fan accounts. And then when 1999 was coming out, I took the leap, headfirst, fearless, into making a Tumblr fan account and recreated the outfit to go to the show and everything. And after that, I had the Tumblr for a while. Tumblr kind of started to die, especially because Taylor stopped getting on there as much. And so I, st- I switched over to Instagram and made that before Lover came out. But I've been a lurker on fandoms for a long time and then have been a participant in fandoms for a while, since 1989 at least. And I've never been good at it or felt like I had a place to fit in a place in this world oh you took it right out of my mouth (laughs) beacha but yeah i never felt like i had a good way to contribute i tried making memes at points and it's just i'm not that good at it i'm not a very good content creator and i feel like with this podcast i finally have a way to contribute in a manner that is fulfilling and that i'm not horrible at to the fandom does that make sense yeah i just sometimes feel like i think I'm a fan, but I'm just apparently just scratching the surface of it. But there's so many different, I would never, I've heard you say before, like, oh, I'm not as big of a fan because you are measuring it by these weird arbitrary things. And that's, it's completely arbitrary. You are a fan depending on how much you love Taylor and listen to her music. And like, if you compared our Spotify raps you are in like the 99.9999 percentile, whereas I was in the 99 percentile or something. Yeah, I know. I just, it just makes me question because I, I think I get immersed with her on a very personal level. Our ways of connecting are different. Yeah. For me, it's like reading a lot more theories and getting more into that side of things. Don't get me wrong. I read like I I will Google her name and just see what's going on. But I usually I guess the the deep interwebs don't come up when you just Google. So I end up just reading like the New York Times reviews or the um, Vulture reviews or the Vox reviews. And that's about the the deepest. But that's good, too, because I wouldn't normally look for that stuff. And then you share with me, you know, like. Rolling Stone wrote this article or such and such podcast talked about this. And it's good for me to hear that stuff, too. It's well round. We round each other out. Look at us. The point of all that was just to say, I enjoy the banter and I'm not taking it in any bad way. And if we are to conclude, it is probably cemented in stone now or cemented by Colbert that 1989 is next. Yes, 100%. Okay. But we already kind of knew that. I think, yeah, I feel like we, the fans, we already knew that. And so there's other theories about, you know, whatever else stuff that she did. One of, last thing I was going to say about who else could I have these conversations with is just that my husband, um, he's supportive of my swiftiness. Um, 
And I, you know, wouldn't be married to him if he weren't. That would be really tough. Um, And I wouldn't want him to have some type of sexist reason not to like Taylor Swift. But he feels kind of neutral about her. And he has told me a couple times now that he feels like he knows an embarrassing amount of things about Taylor Swift and her lyrics. And Morgan, do you remember when we were having our conversations about, about, was it folklore? Yeah. And we were downstairs and then he started contributing from upstairs. Yes. (laughs) Because he knew so much. And he like called you out on getting something wrong. Yeah, it was so funny. And then recently we went on a trip to just a little cabin in the woods because you can't really travel anywhere. So we were like, let's just go stay in the woods for a second because we're losing our minds. And I gave him a clue to a game we were playing, a board game. And I said, he was running after us. I was screaming and he said, go, go, go. Oh, yes. Okay. And he got, he figured out what the lyric or the game was because of that. And I was like, I have successfully been a good wife. And I will say you're a great, you've done a great job at raising your children to enjoy Taylor's music. Thank you. I know. I try. Proud of you. I don't force it on them, but they like it on their own. And they make requests now. They do. Leighton's favorite song is Nobody, No Crime. Does he know what it's about? No. I feel like that's one that you have to really enjoy just because you love those murder mystery podcasts. Oh, it's awesome. I think he honestly, and this is take it or leave it. He, I think he really likes it because of the police sirens in the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Okay, well, let's get into the lyrics, finally. Okay. So, hey, Steven, I know looks can be deceiving, but I know I saw a light in you. That just makes no sense. (laughs) Oh, no, I think it's that he doesn't seem like he's... Oh, I forgot to say other things. We know who this song was written about. Oh, yes. But I'm pretty sure everyone knows who this song was written about at this point. Steven Barker Lyles from Love and Theft. And that was the liner note from the movie or from the um, not the liner note, but the like hidden message from the original. Exactly. Okay, so moving on. I think it means that he might not seem like he's a good guy, but she thinks that he's got good in him. You know, when you try to justify why you're into somebody. So he looks like an asshole, but... Exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He seems like he's a dirtbag, but she thinks that he has redeeming qualities. Okay, I'll take it. Um, And I actually really like that song reflectively more as an adult because I've been thinking more recently about, which we'll talk about at different points, but about songs in relation to addiction and how there's such a stigma with people who suffer from addiction or like you were talking about people who are charged with crimes and that looks can be deceiving because you just judge a book by their cover and there actually is a little light in everyone regardless of what they've done okay i I will give that to you i like i like that people are more than their bad actions they are as we walked we were talking and i didn't say half the things i wanted to It seems very fearless to me or her learning to be fearless because she wants to speak more. And it's a good segue into speak now. It is. Where she's learning how to vocalize, right? Mm -hmm. Of all the girls tossing rocks at your window. Oh, my God. Tossing rocks again. (laughs) I'll be the one waiting there even when it's cold. Can I just tell you, I was listening to the song in the car with Leighton the other day and he said, Mom, why would anyone 
throw rocks at someone's window. He didn't see all the rom-coms. No. So like, how do you explain to a kid that you just throw rocks at someone's window in a nice way? (laughs) Yeah, I will say I like it better when she says pebbles. And I know rocks works better sometimes in the song. (laughs) But rocks is kind of aggressive. (laughs) He was just like, why would you throw rocks at someone's window, mom? You're like, I don't know. And I was like, it's a romantic gesture. <laughs> oh, no. Explaining Taylor's lyrics sometimes might get tough. One t- one time I was a nanny for three years. You know this. Yeah. Broke French with her and all that. Love of my life. Um, we were singing na- 1989 a lot in the car. And she said, I get drunk. <laughs> Did she sing it? In, in front of her parents. Oh, no. And they were like, why was she saying this? And I was like, the last part of the line is on jealousy. Yes, so i'm sorry and they're like no we actually don't care it's fine oh gosh anyways with your own kids it really doesn't matter that's a lot less pressure for sure when you're trying to raise someone else's kid to be you know to the stand there's a lot more pressure mom don't come at me (laughs) does she listen to this yes (laughs) seriously yes does she like taylor swift no but i think she likes me Moving on. Hey, Steven. Boy, you might have me believing I don't always have to be alone. She's so afraid of being alone at this point. She really is. She's Even not she's fearless. she's been alone for three years at this point. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, we were talking about that is how she actually had not been dating for like three years when she recorded this album. And then we get into the stunning chorus because I can't help it if you look like an Let's angel. Let's just sing it, right? Cause I can't help it if you look like an angel. Can't help it if I wanna kiss you in the rain. So come feel this magic I've been feeling since I met you. Can't help it if there's no one else. Mm, I can't help myself. That was great. <laughs> oh my gosh, you might have to cut that. No, no, they're so lucky that they got that. <laughs> no, I think it was wonderful, and that. You all, we can avoid the copyright thing where we can't play music if we can just sing it for you. So there's not like a ton really to say about those words that we really went into. This song is, like we said, not very lyrically deep. No, I mean, it, once again, there's a yet another reference to rain. And Kiss You in the Rain, it might be the same person from Fearless or like the same daydream of that type of situation. I don't know if I've ever described a um, person that I was attracted to looking like an angel, but so go for it, Taylor. So then she does a bunch of like, <laughs> that is not how it goes. I love it. I love it so much. I love the snaps. And then the basic theme of the song is that you're holding back. Um, what you want to say to the person and how you actually feel about them. I, I've been holding back this feeling, so I've got some things to say to you. Ha! Huh. I seen it all, so I thought that I'd never see nobody shine the way you do. Shine again. She loves that word. She does love shine. In, especially in this era. There's particular words in eras. Maybe it's like a... I don't From the to- notebook that she writes in. Well, I don't listen to country that much, so maybe it's a popular country song uh a like country noun is trope a noun? or something i don't know anyway turn of phrase i do want to point out the one area that i appreciated what the lyrics meant and maybe she didn't even meet it and i'm reading too much into it okay it's beautiful wonderful don't you ever change hey steven why are people always leaving 
I think you and I should stay the same. When I was going back over these lyrics, I was like, why do you care if other people are leaving, Stephen, if it's just you two? And then I realized that I think that she's trying to capture, and she does it effectively here, that feeling when you have a crush on someone and you're like, I like everything that person does, everything. So as long as you don't change, we're not leaving. Like everyone thinks that it's going to last forever when you start first have that crush because you can't see that person doing anything wrong. So you can't imagine someone leaving, but it's inevitable that we change. And that's when people leave. Well, in, in high school, in these younger relationships, spoiler alert for those of you who are younger listeners, you change so much as a person in high school and especially in college. Like, that's essentially why a lot of those relationships don't work out is like you just grow apart. Like the one guy I was seeing in college, we dated for three years. And by the end of it, our values were different and we were just not on the same page in life, you know? So Right. And I think that that's, um, that's why this this line or these this group of lines is so good is because it's really it really captures her naivete well used french term <laughs> i will say that i think that this lyrical grouping is just really fun to sing the way you walk the way you talk you the way just want to say sing, my Aaron. name it's beautiful <laughs> wonderful don't you ever change it's just this song is so fun to sing and just so warm and fuzzy and i was thinking is it fun to sing because the key that it's in is just like perfect for my vocal range Mm, like maybe we can pull it off yeah like when i'm in my car i'm like oh i definitely sound like her yeah there's some taylor songs i will say (laughs) that people should not hear me singing no me neither like ever be one that like i mean except for what you just heard previously this could be one that i could pull off Mm, okay well i'd like to see that in full form so i will say right now If we get 50 reviews on Apple Podcasts, that means you don't just rate it, you write something, and that helps us out a lot. Thanks, guys. We love you. If we get to 50, maybe I'm... Am I setting the bar too low, Morgan? Yeah, maybe 75. Okay. All right. If we get to 75 reviews on this podcast on Apple, Morgan will sing Hey Steven, and we will put it somewhere for you all to hear. That is a promise, guys. 75. I can't believe you're willing to agree to this. I mean, I just put you on the spot. I'm fearless. <laughs> Head faced. Head faced, baby. So then she goes into again talking about the angel and the magic <laughs> and that she can't help that there's no one else. This is pretty repetitive. It Le- is. Repetitive, excuse me. Like you were saying about the Mr. Perfectly Fine and how you feel like it was lazy. This one for sure is really repetitive, but it's so soft and tender. Like I literally have in my notes next to they're dimming the streetlights. You're perfect for me. Why aren't you here tonight? I'm waiting alone now. So come on and come out. My note says like, what is this? (laughs) Oh, I like that. I think I can picture her like she's standing outside. I don't know why she's standing outside. Maybe she's just outside her house. She loves the rain. Chilling. And then she's like, oh, I wish, like, it's a daydream, you know? Like, she wasn't actually with this guy. She's just crushing on him. I know, but who's dimming streetlights? They. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> it's 
says it right there. Okay, I do have one note in the changes is why why aren't why aren't being better pronounced in the new version where in the original she's like why aren't you here and now it's aren't so you can clearly hear it. Yeah, she got rid of her country twang. And just is pronouncing words better, which cracks me up because I've seen a lot of posts about which lyrics did you just sing incorrectly because she didn't pronounce words very well in the original or like a couple got lost. And I've realized listening to the new version, even though at one point in time you look up the lyrics or you read the book, you just forget and you just sing along to the songs. And on some of these bonus tracks, I have some really funny like the way I was singing them. Oh, definitely. And, and they're not what the actual Especially words are. Especially in You Belong to Me. With? With. Oh, Get my God. Get your prepositions right, God. Ooh. Anyways, okay. You pull you pull me near and shine, shine, shine. <laughs> Just keep shining. What is shining? I'm, I, okay. I know she likes this word in this album. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh so much. Like, I feel like we're being a little harsh. But it, I've always wondered, what is shine? And the only time I understand what she means by it is when she's singing on the best day, um, how she's grateful for her mom, like, thanks for stepping back and watching me shine yeah, or letting me, me shine. That's, a, that's an appropriate place to use the word shine. Because she did. She flourished in her mom and her family were super supportive of her career, incredibly supportive. If I told my parents, I was like, <laughs> y'all. I'm going to be a hot country singer. They'd be like, okay, Aaron, why don't you go on and try that in your bedroom? Um, instead, they up and moved to Nashville and helped her make an EP. And I mean, it's pretty impressive. Her mom Pearl Austin's her. just in tow. Oh, <laughs> anyway, we digress because we do have to make it to the end of Hey Steven. We've had a lot of side conversations because the lyrics of this are basic. But I will say that I think one of the, you know, the Taylor line is all those other girls, well, they're beautiful, but would they write a song for you? Yeah, so that is for sure my favorite lyric. Is that yours too? Do we have the same favorite? I think we do. <gasps> oh, isn't that tender? Let's commemorate this. What a moment. The moment I knew. Um. So yeah, all those other girls, well, they're beautiful, but would they write a song for you? It's so... Fas- <laughs> It's so facetious and like just cutesy. I know it's one of the first times we see Taylor with her knack for sarcasm. Like it reminds me of when she says in Gorgeous, you should think about the consequence of what you're doing and you should take it as a compliment. And all of those types of lines of her just being like snarky, snarky, but flirty at the same time. And the confidence in it. I love me too. And. I will say that that's part of her that reminds me of me. The snarkiness or the confidence? The snarky, not the confidence, but the (laughs) snarky flirtiness. Like that is how I flirt, is being snarky. Okay, I now so much better understand your relationship with your husband. (laughs) It's all coming clear. Shine, shine, shine. (laughs) Like the way that you two banter. There's a lot there. And he's very much like a person that if you don't know him or know his type of humor, you'd be like, why is this dude giving me such a hard time? Is that a Welsh thing? That's a British thing. Okay. All right. Well, if you didn't know, Morgan's husband is British. Mm -hmm. Welsh. 
And they lived abroad for a while where they had their first son. I don't know if you want all those details. But Aaron Sharonham, so <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'm going to tell your personal life. All right, we really need to move on. Yeah. Um, that's, I mean, I can't help myself. Do you have any comments on that line? Because everything else is repeating. No, I don't. I think let's get to the rating. All right. I did not remember to write the song when we were listening to it before. Okay, well, I, since I have done my full rating... <laughs> I gave it a 70. Oh, I need to switch to the system. Honestly, I do feel like that's better because we're going to have a lot of songs that are just at the exact same or that it doesn't feel like it adequately represents what the song as a whole is. So, yes, we um, per one of our podcast listeners, we've decided to switch from the one to 10 scale to a one to 100 scale. And I want to be like you because you're so cool and amazing. And way smarter and you're just. I need to give Aaron a glass of wine before every podcast. (laughs) No, that's not why. You know, I adore you. I know. (laughs) Like just who you are and the values and things that you stand for and how you are a literal Wonder Woman. (laughs) Okay, stop. Can you just rate the song? I give it my I feel like I just want to give it a, a gut rating. Yeah, go for it. I'm going to say a 65. Wow, I beat you on this? What did you give it? A 70. LOL, I already forgot. <laughs> my memory is so bad. And 70, that's, I mean, like I said, my one of my lowest or the lowest is a 50. And so this is not like, like a 70 is not great, but I just thought it was an average song. And the only thing that brings it up is its singability. Like the ability to listen to it and somehow feel happy despite not really connecting with the lyrics. Right. But if you're saying so, okay, I don't I don't fully agree with you saying that the lowest you would ever give is a 50 because I feel like if nothing can ever be a zero, then there's no. That's fair. Like real. Does that make any sense? That's and that's something that I was struggling with but that's why i mean like i'm doing it zero out of 100 as in like i'm grading them based on mu like all music if i oh my god if i think about it as grading like i'm a teacher a 65 is not a good grade that's what i mean but it is passing well that's what i mean so i'm grading it so i gave it a 70 because i think it's average i think it's an average song i i keep it on i don't skip it when it comes on Mm mm-hmm but it's not something that I get I... excited. This is the first one I go to on Fearless. See, then you need to give it more than a 65. Like, so I bump it 10 points and say 75. I mean, if this is the first song you go to on Fearless, that means that you literally skip Fearless, 15 and Love Story. Well, like I told you, 15 was actually kind of annoying to me for a while. I know, but that just means... And Love Story, I had heard so many times. And Fearless, you you hear, you hear always hear it first, so then sometimes you're like... you, But you skip those three songs to get to the song. You cannot give it a 65 then. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to give it a 75. I just feel like the lyrics are not that good. But it is a song that, like like I said, is just a comfort one. Like, it would make my... I Here's my thing about rating Taylor Swift songs. I feel like I would truthfully need to rate them within categories. As in comfort taylor swift songs then do right that. and then like within that i don't even know how that would work but there's different categories to me like there there's the heartbreak songs there's the angsty or like spiteful songs um 
there's and I've thought about this before and I've never been able to come up with like an adequate list of different so, genres. So what I've been doing is I I and this is again from another uh, friend of mine's suggestion is I put down all of her songs and I listed them one through 166. So I went in order. She has 166 songs from her albums. But then I did it in an Excel sheet and I I then went to the ones that I knew for a fact were 100. And so I wrote 100, 100, 100. And then I did the like 99s and the 98s. And then I sorted it so that those were at the top. And so based on how I scored those, I was able to then start to say, okay, well, since I feel this way about this song, then this feel this this gets this. Right. I already know my top songs on Fearless. Like if I were rating them for just everything, You're Not Sorry is 100% number one. Um, wow. Change. Wow, we have a the lot best day. of different favorite ones. Yeah. You're Not Sorry, Change, The Best Day. I don't know what I would pick between those three because honestly, they're equally strong to me for different reasons. Okay, so we are going to take a quick break so that we can listen to Don't You and it's fresh in our mind for when we go through the lyrics with you next. (laughs) And we're back. And boy, is it good to be back. Great to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We're so, so stupid. We're so dumb. Okay. So you gave us a little taste before we went on that quick break that um, you absolutely love Don't You. So why don't you tell me your first impression? Okay. I think that this song did not stand out as much to me as on first impression as some of the other ones. And I started reflecting on that and like, why do I do this? And I remember when I first listened to Evermore thinking the standout song to me was No Body, No Crime, being like, oh, yes, this is a jam. But then long term, it's like, sometimes I'll skip that one. It's not like it's a skip song, but you know what I mean? Like, I want to go to heavier songs. And it's sort of what I was telling you in previous episodes that the heavier ones have to sit with me a little more. No, I completely agree with you. There are some times where the heavy songs, quote unquote, the deep songs, um, what have you, hit me. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, yes. And then I just keep going deeper and deeper. But then there are the times where it takes me one, two, three, four listens before I'm like, oh, wait, there's something more here. And I actually wrote down in my notes, Evermore feeling takes a few listens because it, this song, don't you? In my, in my, um, what am I trying to say here? In my opinion, opinion. <laughs> yes, my opinion. Thank you, Aaron. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, I think it it's better each time you listen to it. I one hundred percent agree. I think it has layers of emotional depth that come with time. It's like a fine wine. It is. So my next question for you then is: Should it have made the cut for the Fearless album? In 2008? This is hard to say because you know how we were talking about how fans have heard her unreleased tracks? Yeah. Well, I have recently found them on Instagram. See, this is where our um, where our fan- fandom 
splits. I sent you a couple, but you don't get online as much. No, I don't. So this is one that so far I have not seen that anyone's found. And I hadn't listened to the unreleased ones before I listened to the album. Just because I know Taylor said on record before that she doesn't care if people have listened to her unreleased songs. Like that doesn't bother her. But I felt like I wanted to hear them as Taylor's version of the story first. Yeah. And I'm going to use that as my justification as well. (laughs) Okay. And so I think that this is one that there wasn't an original version for. So it's hard to know what it would have sounded like. But we know it was produced by Jack Antonoff, who I love everything he touches. And that's probably part of the reason like it, it reminds me of clean a little bit. Okay. The mu- musically speaking, the the backtracking and it to me, yeah, it feels like it's more of a 1989 song. So the funny thing is is that I do love everything that Jack at Antonoff touches as well and I love all of his own music too. But every time all the stuff that he touches with Taylor, they all take me a few listens. Until I feel like, oh, yeah, this is great. And unlike when I like a song initially and then it kind of fades off, like all of his just literally get better each time I listen to Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad that she worked with him on this one. Me too. But I do think it feels like a 1989 song if I was putting it in an era. I have a 1989. Really? Did you put it in the same category? I did. But I will also tell you that when I listen to this song, this is going to date me too. Um, not that you guys don't already know my age, but this is going to date me because I hear Dawson's Creek when I hear this song. Like it, <laughs> and that's why I'm like, oh my gosh, it definitely was written in the 2000s because Dawson's Creek is in the 2000s. And then I was like scrolling through because this was back when you couldn't like just download songs from episodes. So you actually bought the like TV series soundtracks. And I had Dawson's Creek season or volume two of the soundtrack. And there's this song called Never Saw Blue Like That. And I was like, this song reminds me of that. (laughs) And it's this the episode, if there's Dawson's Creek fans listening, um, when Pacey and Joey or sorry, Pacey and Dawson go out on the sailboat in season four after Joey and uh, Pacey have started dating and there's still that like rivalry going on, but it's that terrible storm. And then Pacey thanks Dawson and that song is playing in the background. And I I do have flashbacks to Dawson's Creek when I listen to this song by Taylor. Oh, that's amazing. I never watched Dawson's Creek. You are missing out, girl. Okay, so you want to dive in? Let's go. So I have to say, so it starts with, hey, I knew I'd run into you. Hey. <laughs> hey, hey, Steven. Yeah. Oh, look, that's why we did them together. Oh, yeah, that's why. <laughs> it was intentional. Um, she likes saying hey. But, hey. She says, but she says it like this. Hey, <laughs> I knew I'd run into you somewhere. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> What's happening? No, but every single time I start hey, to say. I just met you. And this is crazy, but here's my number. Call me, baby. No, maybe. <laughs> yeah, you got it. But I always want to f- say, hey, I knew I'd run into you someday because it rhymes with hey. So whenever I start singing this song in my yeah, car. Yeah, but we've got to have where and then stare. I know it makes sense further on, but I just have to say when the 
initial lyric starts, it does flow that it would say, hey, I knew I'd run into you someday. And we should point out that this this was the song that was in that expert level vault tweet that she tweeted that everyone cracked in like oh was it a second yeah it was played backwards i had no idea that was the music that was like once again spy kids reference floop is a madman help us save us no never seen it i think i watched it when i like babysat someone the poor little floops they needed help if you played their song backwards they needed help Anyways, that was the song that played backwards in the vault. So do you think that, why is that significant? I mean, is it? I think it was just like a clip. Okay. So backwards, it would be, you don't? No, like you can't really tell what she's singing. I'm kidding. All right. All right. Well, there is wordplay. Like the main reason I love this song is for, I know you were going to say it, (laughs) The double entendre of the meaning of don't you, like, don't you do that? And then don't you? Why don't you? Why don't you feel the same as me? Is like as a negative question at the end. Is that how you would phrase it? Yeah. I mean, that is the brilliance behind this song once again. And that's why it, it ranks so high for me is because once again, we have her, her simple lyrics, but yet so deep. Mm-hmm. All right. And so clever. I knew I'd run into you somewhere. You're expecting that it's going to happen for a while. Like just the capturing of feelings is what is what really gets to it. And you know, in 1989, when she says you're in love and she says, and why I've spent my whole life trying to put it into words. And I cried the first time I heard that lyric. And I was like, yes, you have. And I feel like that is what most of us love about Taylor who are Swifties is her ability to capture emotions and you can perfectly imagine being in this feeling although I don't really connect with that specific memory of being scared to run into someone I don't know if see I don't know if she's scared to run into this person well just you know it's gonna happen and you don't it's awkward and you don't really want it to happen see I, I have had that feeling before And that's why I really love, like, it's been a while. I didn't mean to stare because, God, yeah, of course you're going to stare. I heard she's nothing like me. I'm sure she'll make you happy. I will say, if this song had come out when Fearless was released, so I told you that I dated that boy from 8th grade to 10th grade. Well, when we broke up, we broke up because his family was so so christian that they read that book kiss dating goodbye and we weren't allowed to date anymore and we were dating in secret for like a year and then he kept getting in trouble and it got too hard have i sent you that have you seen that new york times article on this about kiss dating goodbye and how the guy and his wife got divorced well no it's it's even further than that it's about like um the um the way that that book and the um, intentions behind that book and the propaganda, if you will, that it created oh, sure. has has really, really impacted a group of people that they are have severe anxiety. It has given like sex. They can't have sex and they feel guilty about having sex. <laughs> Evangelical Christians, yeah. purity culture. No, I should send you this article because it's amazing. Mm. Oh my gosh, it's that's a whole other conversation. Yes, for we will have that conversation 
But anyways, if this had been on the 2008 Fearless. I would have so connected with it because I, like a year later, saw him with a new girlfriend. And it was like, oh, okay, so like you can date now. (laughs) Yeah. But we couldn't. And I was crushed. Breathe was my song for him from this album. And like, and that was years later. And I just know that this song, although I'm like, I I can identify that feeling. It was a long time ago. Oh, of course. I mean, when you have that strong of feelings, of course, you can identify them. That's why I think this album is so, so awesome is because it's bringing out feelings in me that are hidden from 15 years ago. I just noticed that you said awesome and me in the same sentence and your shirt says you can't spell awesome without me. <laughs> I embody it. Exactly. So I heard she's nothing like me. I'm sure she'll make you happy. That's that's such the feeling of. Can you explain it? I mean, it's it's just that spitefulness because she's not you and you didn't make that person happy. So the only thing that you can say that sounds nice but also contains that snark is I'm sure she'll make you happy. So don't you, but don't you, don't you smile at me and ask me how I've been. (sighs) Back to the grieving thing. I know I keep bringing it up, but isn't that such a grief feeling? Yeah, it really is. It's it's like you don't you don't don't, make small talk with me yeah i'm not interested in your bullshit yeah and i don't want you to be happy like we we had already moved past the small talk phase so we can't go back to that small talk phase. this is the mature version of mr perfectly fine it is it's like you sat on those feelings for a while and instead of just being snarky which i love and you know i love this is like the fine wine version of it it is it's like i've been i've been feeling this way for six months i've let it I've aired it out. I've been my snarky, sarcastic self, and um, I deserve to be my snar- snarky, sarcastic self. And that's why you're just Mr. Perfectly Fine. But but now- it's also more grounded. It's like I'm more confident in myself. So don't you say these things to me. Well, that's what I mean. So this is past that. This is like I've done that. And now I'm like, OK, listen, I've gotten over it or I'm getting over it. Just leave me alone mm-hmm. don't you say you've missed me if you don't want me again <sighs> that I happened mean, it's true like don't that happen to me <laughs> don't say you miss me and then say like but i'm with like and not follow that up with let's get back together exactly or come hang out with me because you want to to see me and you say you've missed me but then you're still gonna go date that girl yeah because that's you obviously then just you don't miss me. Mm-hmm. Or you're just trying to make yourself feel better by being amicable. And it makes me think of closure when she says the line about how you're trying to iron. Wouldn't it be nice if you could iron these things out? Yeah. So she's basically just saying, don't do that bullshit. Like, I'm breaking up with you because of me. Don't act like we're still friends. Like, yeah. All right. And you the next one I do have something to say about you don't know how much I feel I love you still. The rise and fall pattern of what she says, you don't know how much I feel I love you. 
still so you know whenever an artist does a thing where one word seems to be ending the sentence but also starting a new one yes that is used here can you see that how much i feel i love you still so you could separate that into two sentences you could say you don't know how much i feel period i love you still you could also read it as you don't know how much i feel i love you still And she does an intentional play with it because there's a rise and fall pattern in between feel and eyes. She says, feel I love you. So it's like, is she starting a new sentence? And it also reminds me of liaisons in French, which is the idea that words connect and you don't want these like sharp hiccup or break sounds in between words. And the way that she carries that over I fell in love with French for a reason. It's beautiful. And I think that the way that she does the rise and fall pattern of her voice in this song is just magical. <laughs> Let's use magic. Taylor likes the word magic. It's shine, shine, shines. Hold up, though. I just want to take a step back and say liaison means something more than like a rendezvous. Yeah. So, um, liaison is just like a connection like so when you serve as a liaison you're the like the connector right to liaise as a verb in english is to connect and so a liaison in french is when you i should have explained that i guess when you connect one sound from the preceding word into the next word does that make sense yes it does so for example if a t or a d we're normally silent. A consonant that's normally silent in French on the ends of words are pronounced if there is a vowel preceding. And some of them are a, what you call like liaison obligatoire, which are like you have to make them. They're obligatory. And then some of them are optional and you can choose to make them. Wow. See, look, I can learn <laughs> some French while I talk Tay. Woohoo, French teacher here for you. So why don't you? Don't you? Ugh, the word play. I know. It's it's spectacular. I just love it so much. You want to sing those ahs that come after? I don't. All right. I'll pass. Sometimes I really wish that I could hate you. Spot on. You're like, I know I should hate you. You've moved on. You're being an ass. But I can't. I've tried. But that's just something I can't do. My heart knows what the truth is. That's reminds me of that what you loved about um that the other song we were happy where she's basically saying like the voices that aren't giving her choices right like my heart is telling me that it's over mm-hmm. but i don't want it to be and in that part there's harmonies that are absolutely stunning like they in are. the background and the harmonies overall on this album taylor's version wow impeccable and just like we talked about because tech has probably improved like it just has to have with time the audio quality is so much better and you can hear those backup vocals better and then she's just telling herself i swore i wouldn't well we don't we don't know what it would have been like before so i guess i shouldn't say better but overall on the album she then just said i swore i wouldn't do this which is those that's a sentiment all of us have said to ourselves yeah and later on better developed i think in the song i almost do where it's like i don't want to return to this feeling but i'm doing it i'm 
almost feel like that's healthy sometimes if you don't act on it as just a way to process emotions. Right. So I walk out of here tonight, try to go on with my life. And you can say we're still friends, but I don't want to pretend. So if I see you again, don't you? Don't you? And I I love this because she's setting boundaries. Do you think, I mean, most of them are internal, but do you think this was ever vocalized? I'm sure. Or this is her learning how to vocalize her feelings by processing them in lyric writing. I think, yeah, no, I think the latter. Okay. Especially at this point in her life. I mean, because we were 18 once and we couldn't vocalize like that. Uh, It's incredible. (laughs) But don't you know how much I feel I love you still? So why don't you? Don't you? Why don't you? Don't you is the best way to end the song because that is how it feels like ah, i remember that heartbreak of like how have you moved on <laughs> bless you thank you <laughs> Ati sweet. so um we'll just sum it up there with do you want to write the song why don't you go first uh i gave this one an 85 okay i gave it an 86 oh wow Remarkably close. And I kind of went with my gut, but I really like the zero to 100 scale a lot better because it gives you a lot more choice with, I mean, the scale is so much bigger. So I don't feel like it feels so insulting to give like a song like Love Story a six out of 10 and then like another song that you connect with less, like also a six out of 10. It just gives you. Right. This just gives you more freedom to actually pinpoint what your thought process is in in writing these so thank you to your friend shout out gooba hi i've never met you but i've heard a lot about you thanks for helping morgan get a signed copy of her album (laughs) is this this folklore yeah all right so any last thoughts we want to move on to tell me why please So theories, for the first time, instead of me just hunting down theories on the internet, I actually had a Swifter write in and send me her theories, which was really exciting. So Haley is in Woodvale, which is at H-A-I-B-U-R-R-S on Twitter. She wrote me on, I mean, I basically just tweeted at her and was like, hey, why do you think Woodville is a thing, even though Taylor's theoretically debunked it? And she sent me a lot of evidence that I'm assuming the Swifty community has compiled over time and then as well as like her own thoughts. She said, so... Maybe you should explain first for people like me on the fray that, I mean, I I kind of know what you're referencing, but people that... That's a good point. What do you mean by Woodvale? So there's a theory that Folklore, Evermore, and then an album after would make a trilogy. And there have been things that have happened that seem suspicious. And we were pretty much all convinced as a Swifty community and as the Swifterhood, if you're our podcast listeners, we were all convinced that a third album was coming. And then Taylor went out and spoke about it and said, no, I accidentally put the word Woodvale in the background on an on the album back. Was it on the back or the front? I believe it was on the front. Uh, as a markup to see just like a similar word and how it would look. And 
some people chose to believe that and some people chose not to. I personally really want to hold out hope that it there is a trilogy just because, like I've said before, Folklore Evermore are her most mature and lyrically sound albums. And while I do appreciate all of her albums for their variety and genre, like I would be so happy if we got another one. So Haley is in Woodville says... My first theory is that the third album maybe isn't called Woodville, but is using, but we're all just using that name since it did come from Taylor's head and her original thoughts on what it could maybe be called, that it was maybe a, quote, mistake to leave on the cover of Folklore, but to see how the lettering would work and whatever, but also a hint in the theory that she didn't plan on doing, Oh, another theory is that she didn't plan on doing three albums, but it just kind of happened that way because, you know, she was making a lot of music in quarantine. And so then she goes on to list the clues. The Cowboy Like Me lyric video has a clock with the time 430 on it, which the theory in the fandom is that on April 30th is when she will release the third album of the trilogy. So at 4.30, the clock is set and is sitting on three books. 4.30 would be April 30th. She has been posting in threes. I'm sure you all have noticed. If you follow us on Twitter, you saw me tweeting about, like, what are these threes again? She has tweeted three separate tweets with three emojis or three of something. So one of them was the well, well, well. The other one was the three prayer hands or high fives if you're young and that's how you feel that it is. (laughs) And then one of them was three angel faces, I suppose you could call them. And she posted one of them at 3.33 p.m., which is, for Taylor, that's too much of a coincidence. Like, when she does it a third time, you're like, okay, what's happening with these emojis? And then in one picture she posted on Instagram, she's holding up three fingers. There's also a theory that because the three colors being used on the website for merch are red, green, and blue... In her merch, the other things that have been chosen, I guess there's three of everything and we haven't seen like the third color. The theories that were missing the blue one. Her latest video with people, she was wearing blue and had blue fingernails and she told us before that blue nails is a hint. That could also be a reference to 1989 coming next. And the amount of days between Folklore and Evermore was 140, so April 30th would be 140 days from when Evermore was released. April 30th, 2021, 30 plus 4 minus 21 equals 13. So Wait, say that again? Mm-hmm. April 30th, 2021, 30 plus 4, so like April plus 30th, April's the fourth month. 30th day. Uh, Okay, I got that. (laughs) 30 plus 4. 34. Okay, yep. (laughs) Minus 21. Is 13. Equals 13. Wait, is there really 140 days from when Folklore and Evermore was released? Yeah, does it feel like that to you? It doesn't. No, but. It feels like it went fast. There are 140 days between Evermore and April 30th? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, that that hits me. Mm Mm-hmm. And all the references to fours and threes. And then she said another thing she just thought of was the Cardigan music video ends with a specific sound of instruments and Willow begins with the same sounds. Willow then ends with piano. So her theory is that the third music video and like the third album would start with piano and pick up from there. And, you know, I love the back front thing with Folklore Evermore, which 
leads me to our logo. We've never talked about that. No, we haven't talked about that. Shout out to our friend Juliana who designed it. She's very talented. She's going to make it big. You all can check out her portfolio, which is linked in our podcast descriptions. She's a fellow Swifty. Um, but our our logo, do you want to explain it, Morgan? No, I want you to explain it. I just feel like I've been talking forever. That's okay. All right. Well, if y'all don't care, it's supposed to be, I'm sure you can tell, it looks like the album covers Folklore Evermore which we were originally going to start with those albums, but then <sighs> Taylor's too quick for us and the pandemic, we couldn't record for a while because of the pandemic and Morgan's often was often in the jails with her clients. So <laughs> she was exposed. We got vaccinated and we were able to start recording and it just worked out to do the re-records, which I think is perfect because we're kind of keeping up with the times. I agree. Like, it's nice that we're doing this in real time now. But, the, it was supposed to be Folklore Evermore albums, and then the hair we changed to be our hair from the back. And they'll... So Aaron is Folklore. <laughs> no. And mine is Evermore. Yeah, which I feel is perfect because I'm, like, lean more Folklore. And I definitely lean more Evermore. And then the Swifterhood is just supposed to be a gender-inclusive term for, like, sisterhood, and we can have our Swifters as our listeners. But thank you, Haley, for sending in your theory. We really appreciate it. It was so exciting to read. Thank God. I hope you're right. And Hannah White on Twitter, which is at not Vanna White, V-A-N-N-A, not Vanna White. She said that she thinks the eight letter or endings like that have been with the previous albums, she predicts that the title would be like Woodlore, which is knowledge of woods or Force War, which is to agree to give something up. Or to go without something, which really makes me think, I have a theory and you're not going to like it. What? I feel like Taylor's telling us it's time to go and that she's going to take a pause on making music. And I think that she's been married for a while, honestly. And she wants to have kids. And that TS10, like the 10th album, might be her being like, peace out. I don't think she's going to peace out, though, if that's the way she does it. I think she's just going to peace out doing her solo work. And then maybe start a band. I've thought about that before because she's talked about how much she's enjoyed to work with other artists. Well, I think she's definitely going to be a part of Big Machine. And like, the, mm -hmm. um, she loves them. Yeah. So I can see that. Like, I think that sh if if this is true and if this is her um, way of telling us that she's going to pause for a moment, I don't think she's going to pause on music. I think she's just going to pause on um, solo stuff. Yeah, she's just talked so much about how much she enjoys playing together with a band and that collaboration more than she normally did. Um, but yeah, I think that Force War makes sense to me, Hannah, as far as agreeing to give up something or go without and like it's time to go being at the end of Evermore. It just seems like she's been trying to tell us. What about Seashore? <laughs> that was actually our friend Daniel's. I thought it was pretty good. I think it is too. Because he was like, he doesn't really like Taylor, but he's learned to appreciate her more because two of his best friends love her so much. And then he knows we've played music for him. And he was like, oh, what about sea related things and water? And she loves water and references to that. I thought it was a good title. I think so. And then at August outsold which is their like handle or their name on twitter is is a ts10 believer so like they're also someone that is hoping for the trilogy said that she talked about cartwheels 
randomly in that interview with Stephen Colbert and that April 29th is cartwheel day. Jesus Christ. (laughs) And so she thinks that that would be the day that they announce that she announces because every time we've had a surprise album, it's been like the day before she announces that it's going to happen. Everything means something to her. And she's such a numerologist that can't be a coincidence when she's done it this many times. Okay. At first, I thought it was her referencing the fact that she is maybe working on Speak Now currently, re-recording Speak Now. But in that one tweet, she said, I am recording the next one. And she did not say re-recording. She said, recording the next one. Mm, Excuse me. You didn't say re-recording. And then she had three emojis in that tweet. And I just, I'm holding out hope for Woodvale or Woodlore or Force War or Seashore. Seashore. (laughs) All right. Okay. That was also a lot of theories. You guys are getting a well-versed rambling in this episode. I Mm -hmm. hope you'll stick with us after this. Okay, so next is the Taylor trivia, and I am going to quiz Taylor fan, none other than Aaron, to um, to see if she can answer some of these questions. Now, I will s- tell you that this was a gift from one of my very good friends who knows I love Taylor Swift, and it's called the unofficial Taylor Swift ultimate fan book of 2020, and some of these questions are quite lame so i had to go through them and choose which ones i thought were funny slash okay for aaron to figure out sure that's i I have a gilmore girls trivia book that i have and some of the questions are so easy it's like what's the main character's name and then some of the questions are like in season four episode two at an hour in, who does so-and-so say that they might think they referenced as a Johnny Cash song? First of all, I would only be like at the most 42 minutes in because those Gilmore Girls uh, episodes. <laughs> sorry, I'm just talking out my ass. <laughs> you know what I mean. I know. Okay, so first question, Aaron. How old was Taylor when she first kissed a boy? Oh, Lord, I don't know. Make a guess. 13. Higher. Oh. 15. Hey, I did it at the same time as you. Yes. That was my next guess, just so because of the song. 15. I don't know how this... So that was our first kiss, because when we were recording 15 and I said, and your first kiss makes your head spin around, I was like, do you think she means legit her first kiss? Or does she mean her first kiss with that person? Remember we talked about that? Yeah, I think it was for a different song that we were talking about that. Okay, next question. What record did Taylor break when she first appeared on Saturday Night Live? Funniest Bitch Award. No. Is that your final answer? I mean bitch as a positive reclaimed term. I have no idea. She was the first ever Saturday Night Live host to write their own monologue. What? Yes. First ever? First ever. No, you're shitting me. No, in 2014, I think. What? I'm just reading from this trivia book. First ever. Is that the one where she was dissing Joe? Yes, I believe so. Oh, my God. And that went down in history as her being like talking about exes and it kind of didn't play out well for her. Well, she wrote it herself. Wow. What 
does Taylor always have in her fridge? Food. Hummus. Oh. Tay, you're a hummus girl. And last one. This is an easy one. What did Taylor say were her favorite lyrics from her Lover album? Really? I know this one. (laughs) I have no idea. It's the bridge from Lover when she says the um, scars on her hand. Okay. See, once again, I have a terrible memory. When you're out of, when I'm out of the song context, but it's when she's saying like the scars on my hand. With every guitar scar. Guitar string scar scar on my hand. On this hand. Yes. I'm doing a terrible job with the tune. You got to pull it out of your head. But, um, so I failed. That's okay. I wonder if any of our listeners got them. I'm sure. I'm sure. Especially the younger folks. Or maybe not. Maybe the like, oh, Lord, Morgan, I have bad news for you. Technically, we are considered senior Swifties. Is there such a thing? Yeah, it's like 21 and over. So the bar is pretty low there. But like, because there's so many people on the internet that have discovered Taylor later. And so... Being a senior Swifty is technically like twenty class. <laughs> well, we're better. We are way better. We've been with her from the beginning. Well, I think if you love Taylor, you love Taylor, and that's what counts. But I just wanted to let you know that technically we're all speaking, inclusive here. We are senior Swifties. All right. Well, let's move on into plugs, or we'll write your name. Rate and review our podcast. Oh, I thought you were going to say something about. Because we already talked about it. Okay, well, I just wanted to say something really quickly. Shout out to Paula, who is guys on Instagram. Paula's been so supportive of our show and promoted us a lot and sent us a lot of messages and thoughts. And she's German. And recently we were talking about thoughts on songs. She sent me some of her thoughts and included a message about how she hoped I understood and and that her English was not where she felt that it should be. So I know that we might have international listeners listening. And I also know that podcasts can be a great tool for learning English as well as being in the fandom and communicating with other people. And as a second language learner myself and someone who's taught English as a second language in various settings, like when I was in France, when I worked at refugee resettlement, um, taught English to students in China online. I totally understand. I lived abroad and I totally understand how it feels to be a second language learner and how scared you are and that in order to really learn, you have to feel like you're not worried about being judged. So if you're international and you're listening, please don't hesitate to send us a message and there is zero judgment with your English, and we are happy to hear from you. And it would break my heart if you thought that you couldn't send us any thoughts or theories. So, rate and review us. You know the handles now, but we'll say it again. Swifter Hood Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok? Yeah, technically on Twitter, we're Swifterhood P. I don't know oh, why. Sorry. It wouldn't, I guess maybe they don't make titles that long, but our name on there is Swifterhood Podcast. And on TikTok, and I made a weird video as 
uh, Taylor Swift's cat recently on TikTok. So you want to go check that out? <laughs> I don't know how TikTok works. So. TikTok. <laughs> you just called it TikTok. I don't know how it works either. I've just been a. <laughs> I've been a voyeur just watching from the outside and I'm trying to learn how to make videos. You just literally said Tic Tac. I guess I am one of the senior Swifties. Would you, <laughs> would you like a Tic Tac? <laughs> oh my God. For real though, rate and review our podcast on any of the apps. If you do it on Apple and we get up to 75 reviews, written reviews, Morgan will sing. I will sing. You're, and you're going to sing Hey Steven. Hey and we're, Steven, because I think it's the best tone uh, and uh, key for me. So you feel the most confident with it. Yes. All right. Thanks for listening. Love you guys. Bye. Bye.